Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back, everyone. Before we dive in, we want to talk to you about a free trust-building course that you can download today called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This is a video series that goes into some foundational steps for rebuilding trust for both the betrayed partner and the person who broke the trust. And we also include some information on how to rebuild the relationship. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of messiness in trying to rebuild trust and couples need support and clear guidance. You can download this course for free using the link in the show notes and put in your email address and we'll send it to you right away. Okay. So today we are going to talk all about how partners who have betrayed trust can reach out to their partner out of love instead of out of fear. Oh, yes. And there's a lot of fear. Yeah. Tons of fear. Why don't we start yeah. there? Yeah. I mean, I think when, a, you know, we'll just call it the recovering partner, the person who broke the trust. When the recovering partner is, you know, aware of the fact that they could lose the relationship, Yeah, they recognize there's a lot at stake. They have fear that they won't ever maybe feel respected or feel loved again or feel yeah, like their, so their partner sees them as a good person or that they'll even experience any level of trust or connection again. Mm -hmm. They may be like, oh, I mean, we may not divorce, but it'll never be the same. So there can be a lot of fear and reactivity around that. Uh -huh. It can, you know, so I, I certainly recognize that there's a lot of emotional turbulence going on inside of the person who broke the trust. Mm -hmm. We often don't talk about that, but there's a lot going on for them. Yeah. Of course, a lot of betrayed partners may look over at the other person and be like, they don't even care, right? Yeah. In my experience, there's a lot going on. It's just, you know, when I'm sitting with people, they're they're overwhelmed most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that they can be convinced that because of the nature of the the way they're treating their partner, that it is out of love because it's it's all the good things. It's helping with something that's important to them. It's giving compliments. It's even maybe trying to do big, big showy things. But when it's done out of fear, the partner feels it. Yeah. And yeah. can't respond to it as if it's a genuine place of love. Yeah. So when it's done out of fear, we're talking more about like the, the anxiety. And so there will be an undercurrent of expectation that the betrayed partner responds in a certain way because of the the generous offering of the gift or the the kind behaviors because they look right on the outside that a particular response is expected. And so that's one cue that it's coming from a place of fear is that a lot hinges on the response. Yeah. And I think this is, you know, I just, I have a lot of compassion for this, this pattern because I've done it. You know, when I've hurt your feelings or broken your trust, I'm a recovering people pleaser myself. <laughs> so it was really natural for me just to 
swoop in and out of anxiety and fear that I was going to lose the relate, you know, the connection or, you know, just to get back to peace because I just wanted things to feel right again. You know, I would start scrambling and doing a lot of nice things. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times it wasn't like really touching your heart. I had a really hard, it was very confusing for me. Yeah, it is. I had a hard time responding to it with like appreciation and gratitude. (laughs) I couldn't feel it. I couldn't, it just felt like I felt worse about me and us when that was happening, actually. Right. And I think as I've observed just my own interactions with, with you over the years and also just sitting with people in my practice is that it can't be felt because at some level it's objectification. Hmm. Can I say more about that? Yes, please. So it's objectification because in that moment, I'll just use us as an example to keep it more concrete instead sure. of in this abstract like other couples. <laughs> Oh, we have plenty of experience here. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. Keep it real. Since I'm Olympic level <laughs> here, I could. <laughs> but in this pattern, objectification. So the way, I w- the way I would see it was like, I was so tuned into my own fear of losing whatever, fill in the blank, you know, losing your, your connection, touch, respect, sometimes even the relationship. There's, you know, there, mm-hmm. were, there were times like that years yeah. ago. And so it's almost like, you become something I don't want to lose, like almost like an object, like something slipping through my fingers. Like, and it's almost like, you know, you'd love to be able to say like, well, I really cared about you and your pain and what was going on for you. And it's like, no, when I'm in fear, when I'm in that panic mode, you're like something I don't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's like, maybe I feel a sense of entitlement. Maybe I feel like I just don't want to lose you, you know, cause you're important to me. Or I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want people to think less of me. I mean, there could mm-hmm. be all kinds of reasons. And I you don't want to be alone. Don't want to be you alone. Yeah. I need you to maybe reinforce me at a certain level. I mean, there there can be so many different reasons for that holding on tightly. And so I think when that happens, the objectification is basically more being more concerned about losing something versus caring about someone. Right. Those are very different. Right. And they, they feel different, I think, they to, do. You, to the they do. hurt person. Because when I didn't, when I wouldn't respond like, oh my gosh, you're so loving and caring and fantastic. Thank you for doing the dishes. Yeah. You're the best husband. No husbands do that. <laughs> <laughs> so when I didn't respond like that. That was funny. <laughs> then it was frustrating to you. Oh, yeah. I wasn't like playing into. Right. The thing, and that. Well, that's that's the objectification. That's the transactional nature of objectification. Yeah, which is like I'm I'm giving this, and you give that. It's this is how this goes. Look at all these things I'm doing, Uh and the subtext that I'm not saying is in my fear and anxiety that I'll lose this thing that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, it has nothing really to do with you. It's like me. Yeah, right. That's not being talked about. It's just look at all these things I'm doing. So it might be. I mean, the classic one is. Don't bring me flowers, right? When I mean, a lot of I hear that all the time. Really? Like, oh yeah, I don't want flowers when you're mad, like, when I, when you've hurt me. Yeah. Right, because it just feels like this really loving thing that like I would love other days of the week or other times. Yeah. Is now attached to like your panic and your remorse. Yeah. And so yes, like I I've heard that lots of times, oh, not just from that. you, <laughs> other <laughs> people didn't too. Know that. Yeah, it it is. And so I think whether it's, you know, something like that and, you know, for, there might be some couples where they're like, oh, flowers is exactly what I need. Sure. And that's fine. Yeah. Go for it. Know yourself, own your story, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think the spirit of it, what we're, what I'm trying to say is that 
if whatever you're doing is coming from a place of anxiety, panic, and fear, your partner's not going to be able to feel your heart. Mm -mm. They're not going to feel it. No, they will not feel you. And you're not going to promote healing. I was going to say you're not going to get what you want, but that gets into transactional. You just get what you want. Yeah. So the goal isn't to the goal isn't to get what you want. You don't want to just like manipulate them or again have some transactional thing where it's like, well, I've done these things, so I'll do these ten things or whatever to try and Mm -hmm. make up for it. Or yeah, I know every time that like I do something that bothers them. I have to do the five things and then, or any five things that are on the list of the good things. And then the entitlement sets in and then they should respond to me this way. Mm -hmm. How much more do I have to do? How long is this going to take? I mean, it gets into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So instead of that. Yeah. What is, how do you love look like? What does love look like? People have been writing about this for ages. (laughs) Yeah. What does love look like? Well, number one, it can be felt. Yeah. And it's a lack of self-interest. It is a lack of self-interest. Yes. Which means that when you have something to give, like your example with the dishes, Mm -hmm. if you just notice that there are dishes in the sink and they need to be done. Do the freaking dishes. Yeah. You're just doing it because you're in a place of of wanting to love. No strings attached. Right. And not even thinking about yourself. I'm such a good person taking care of Not hoping she walks through the room. Right? Oh, yeah. This is just something I've never thought that, by the way. (laughs) You've just heard other people say yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. All these imaginary friends of mine have said that to me. No, but that's just it. Like you're not referencing what you'll get out of it. You're not looking to see if, the again, they'll care about it or they'll. And so it's done from a place of. Giving. Giving. and this Not is hoping the, to receive. This is the right thing to do. And this is this is aligned with my values. And this is something that is necessary just mm-hmm. in our home and our family. And even caring about your partner's pain is not from a place of like, can you see that I'm caring about your pain? Right. right? That's the self-referencing. Yeah. Am I? Did you notice me caring? Right. Almost like <laughs> this is me being a good husband. Don't you see that I'm being a good husband? Right. right? That's, out, That's of out of fear. Of fear. That's uh-huh. out of anxiety. That's out of self-interest. Right. And this is not an easy shift because I have tremendous compassion for anyone who's broken trust. I've done it. And there is a very deep, innate reflexive fear that you're going to lose this person who matters so much to you. Mm -hmm. And managing that fear is critical. And understanding that the way you're going to heal this relationship or this breach of trust is by seeing and caring about the other person, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. You can't make it about you. Right. You just can't make it about you. Right. And the minute you do, they'll stop feeling you. Mm Mm-hmm. I just am wondering if there's a way we can talk about that a little bit further that makes it a little bit more explicit. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to conceptualize. Yeah, to make it more concrete. Yeah. Without it becoming transactional. Yeah. Right? Without it becoming too formulaic or scripted. Right, because it doesn't look like that. We can guarantee this result. Right? Because, yeah, (laughs) then then you can just add it to the list of how to to keep your fear at bay. So here, here are some things that I tell some of the guys that I work with, my clients, and things I've told myself even. When you're noticing that fear, it's important just to name it personally, privately. Okay. To take a deep breath and just open up your body, your system, and just recognize, I'm totally afraid right now. I'm in my fear. I'm anxious. This fear, this anxiety is not going to serve my hurt partner. It's not going to help anything. And so it's, it's almost like just 
making peace with that, naming that, recognizing that, having compassion for that. Sure. No judgment. Right. It's just like, of course I'm scared. Of course this is terrifying. Of course, because I made a mistake or I've hurt my partner. I don't want to lose them. They're very important to me. It's okay to like slow down and have a moment with that. And even if you, again, you need to talk to someone else and open up about that and just name it, that can be really healthy. And then use the motivation, use that pain as a way to motivate you to care about what it must be like for the other person. And that to me is a decision. Hmm. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of trust to extend that. And if, if, if you are in defensiveness, if you're in chaos and reactivity, then it's important for you to slow that down. And again, find someone you can talk to who is not going to take your side or dogpile on your partner a therapist that can be, if you're in a 12-step context, a sponsor or a, a friend, mm-hmm. someone who can just help you be able to get your emotional balance so that you can approach your partner from a place of compassion. Getting into compassion for your partner's pain takes practice. It doesn't come naturally when you've been the one that hurt the other person because you're now contending with your own fears. Mm. But it can be practiced and it takes tremendous surrender and humility just to say, I'm willing to surrender the outcome of this relationship. Right. I'm willing to surrender the outcome of this conversation. I'm willing to not control this and mm-hmm. just show up with, you know, compassion and care for the impact I've had. When you're trying to control it through doing things or making it transactional, all that stuff, when you're trying to control that, you're trying to guarantee some kind of an outcome. Yeah. And that's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. Again, in my experience, both personally and mostly professionally, I mean, I've, I've done this a lot with a lot of clients over the years, very little of this comes naturally to anybody. Mm. And so I want you just to recognize it can be learned, it can be practiced. And so if it's something that you feel like you need help with, then like anything, learn how to do it. Learn how to do it and mm-hmm. practice it. And if you've broken trust, and you're in that place right now, you'll have lots of opportunities because the pain's not just going to disappear, especially if up until this point, you've been making it about you. Yeah. So there'll be lots of opportunities to practice this. Yeah. So I just- Does that feel a little more concrete? I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm just going to add one small thing because I'm, in my mind, I'm relating it to some experiences that I've had with the kids, but that can be- Yeah. That it's love, so it can go all directions. That That should be a song. (laughs) <laughs> it's love. So it should go all directions. <laughs> let's, let's write that anyway, one. Sorry, um, carry on. That I have had to tell myself in particular in those relationships, how can I show them I love them regardless of what they do? Okay, right. So that those are, that's what I asked myself. Yes. They're doing things that, I, that are uncomfortable to me mm-hmm. and dial up a lot of my own feelings and shame and insecurity and but I need to love them and I want them to feel it. And I probably, I'm certain that I won't get responsiveness, but I need to be reaching out to them in ways that show that express love. And I'll just keep doing that regardless of how they re- yeah, come back like to It's me. the right thing for them. It's uh-huh. the right thing for the relationship. Yeah. And how can I encourage? Takes guts. How, it does. It takes it does. a tremendous amount of just putting yourself aside mm-hmm. so that love can flourish in this circumstance. But then it does. Right. Right. When you invite love in, it opens the door in ways that the fear just 
Fear is like building the, a wall up in front of the door. Right. It's like that old saying, right? If you love someone, set them free. Yeah. And you have to respect and honor their freedom to respond. Yeah. And the second we try and control that and make it about us, yeah. it doesn't go well. Nobody likes to be controlled. All right. Okay. Great stuff here. Yeah. Lots to talk about with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, thank you for being here. We're going to wrap yep. this up today, but we sure love hanging out with you. And thanks for being a part of this podcast. Yep. We look forward to having you back again next time. 